Chapter Fourteen of the Diamond Pin by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fourteen, Fipsy and Sam. There are two things to find, Plummingstone said: the murderer and the pin. There are two things to find out: how the murderer got away and why the pin is valuable stone persisted in his belief that the pin was of value and that in some way it would lead to the discovery of the jewels he had read all of ursula pell's diary and though it gave no definite assurance there were hints in it that strengthened his theory before he had been in the pell house twenty-four hours he had learned all he could from the examination of the whole premises and the inspection of all the papers and books in mrs pell's desk he declared that the murderer was after the pin and that failing to find it he had maltreated ursula pell in a fit of rage at his failure she was of an irritating nature you tell me stone said and it may well be that she not only refused to give up the pin but teased and tantalized the intruder who sought it but what use could the pin be as a clue to the jewels lucille darrell asked i can't imagine any theory that would explain that i can imagine a theory stone responded but it is merely a theory a surmise rather and it is so doubtful at best i'd rather not divulge it at present but the pin must be found i haven't found it but i've a notion of which way to look said fibsy who had just entered the room it was mrs pell's sitting-room and fleming stone was still fingering some packets of papers in the desk out with it fibs for i'm going over to see mr bannard now and i want all your information before i go so fibsy told of what sam had said and of the snatch of song he had sung good enough as far as it goes commented stone but your source of knowledge seems a bit uncertain that's just it said fibsy that's why i didn't tell you this last night i thought i'd tackle friend boobikins this morning and see if i could get more of the real goods but nixie sam says he has the pin but he doesn't know where it is i'm afraid you're trying to draw water from an empty well son better try some other green fields and pastures new i know it mr stone but suppose you just speak to the innocent before you go away you can tell if he knows anything why should sam steal the pin iris asked her eyes big with amazement you can't tell what such people will do fibsy returned he may have seen you hiding it as he says he did and he may have come in and stolen it just because of a mere whimsy in his brain is he around here much quite a good deal of late he's fond of agnes and he trails her about like a dog after its master aunt ursula wouldn't have him around much when she was here but miss darrell doesn't mind i don't like him said lucile but i am sorry for him and he does adore agnes i thought he ought to be put in an institution oh no said iris he isn't bad enough for that he's not really insane just feeble-minded he's perfectly harmless bring him in here suggested stone fibsy ran out and came back with the half-witted boy hello sam said stone in an off-handed kindly way you're the boy for us now where did you say you found that pin here and sam pushed his hand down in the big chair in the very spot where iris had concealed it good boy how'd you get into this room through window in other room walked in here he spoke with pride in his achievement but at stone's next question a look of deep cunning came into his eyes and he shook his head for the detective said where is the pin now sam 
the lack-lustre eyes gleamed with an uncanny wisdom and the stupid face showed a stubborn denial as he said i don't know i don't know i don't know and then he broke forth again into the droning song it is a sin to steal a pin as well as any greater thing this couplet he repeated in his peculiarly insistent way until they were all nearly frantic stop that ordered lucile put him out of the room somebody hush up sam wait a minute said stone listen sam what will you take to show me where the pin is dollars dollars a lot of dollars two and stone drew out his wallet yes two three four lot of dollars and then you'll tell us where the pin is yes sam tell then it is a sin don't sing that again look here's four nice dollar bills now where's the pin where sam looked utterly blank where's the pin nice pin oh pinny pin pin where's the pin oh i know all right where forgot all forgot nice pin forgot 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 oh pshaw exclaimed lucile he doesn't know anything i don't believe he really took the pin at all he heard agnes and polly talking about it and he thinks he did oh yes sam took pin declared the idiot boy himself yes sam took pin pinny pin beautiful day beautiful day beautiful beautiful day the boy stood babbling he was not ill-looking and the pathos of it all made him far from ridiculous a tall well-formed lad his face would have been really attractive had the light of intelligence blessed it but his blue eyes were vacant his lips were not firm and his head turned unsteadily from side to side yet now and again a gleam of cunning showed in his expression and Fipsy, watching such moments tried to make him speak rationally think it up sam he said kindly there you remember now so you do where did you put the nice pin in the crack of the floor in the crack of the floor in the yes of course you did encouraged stone that was a good place now what floor was it this room no no ni no not this floor no 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 nother floor but all further effort to learn what floor was unsuccessful indeed they didn't really think the boy had hidden the pin in a floor crack or at least they could not feel sure of it he never had the pin at all lucile asserted he heard the others talking about it probably they said it might be in a crack and he remembered the idea keep him on the place stone told them as he prepared to go to see bannard don't let sam get away whatever you do the call on winston bannard was preceded by a short visit to detective hughes while the lesser detective was not annoyed or offended at stone's taking up the case yet it was part of his professional pride to be able to tell his more distinguished colleague any new points he could get hold of and to-day hughes had received back from a local handwriting expert the letter that had been sent to iris and he says hughes told the tale he says barlow does that that letter is in win bannard's writing but disguised what and stone eyed the document incredulously yep 
barlow says so and he's an expert he is see those twirly y's and those extra long looped g's are just like these here in a lot of letters of bannard's are these in bannard's writing yes those are all his you can see from their contents now this here note signed william ashton has the same peculiarities yes i see that do you believe bannard wrote this letter to his cousin she ain't exactly his cousin only a half sort of one i know never mind that now do you think bannard wrote the note yes i do i believe when bannard is after that pin so's he can find them jewels oh then you think the pin is a guide to the jewels well it must be as you say so at any rate the murderer wanted something awful bad it never seemed like he was after just money or he'd a come at night don't you think so perhaps well say it was win there's nothing to offset that theory and everything to point toward it moreover there's no other suspect william ashton rodney pollock all the same man opined hughes and all winston bannard oh i don't know how are you going to get around that letter can't you see yourself it's bannard's writing disguised and not very much disguised at that why look at the capital w the one in william and this one in his own signature are almost identical why didn't he try to disguise them he did disguise the whole letter but he forgot now and then they always do it's mighty hard barlow says to keep up the disguise all through they're sure to slip up and return to their natural formation of the letters here and there i suppose that's so shall i confront bannard with this if you like you're in charge at least i'm in with you i don't want to run counter to your ideas in any way thank you mr hughes i appreciate the justice and courtesy of your attitude toward me and i thank you for it but it don't extend to that boy that cub of yours terence fleming stone laughed all right i'll tell him to keep out of your way he'll not bother you mr hughes thank you sir shall i go over to the jail with you no i'd rather go alone but as to this theory of yours you blame bannard for all the details of this thing do you think he kidnapped miss clyde last sunday i think it was his doing of course the two people who carried her off were merely tools of the master mind bannard could have directed them as well as anybody else he could surely now here's another thing i want to trace the house where miss clyde was taken seems to me that would help a lot lord man how can you find that do you know any nearby town where there's an insurance agent named clement foster sure i do he lives over in meadville then meadville is very likely the place where that house is how do you know i don't know but i asked miss clyde to think of anything in the room she was in that might be indicative and she told of a calendar with that agent's name on it it's only a chance but it is likely that the calendar was in the same town that the agent lives and works in of course it is very likely you are a smart chap ain't you mr hugh's admiration was so full and frank that stone smiled that isn't a very difficult deduction he said but we must verify it this afternoon we'll drive over there with miss clyde and see if we can track down the house we're after fleming stone went alone to his interview with winston bannard he found the young man willing to talk but hopelessly dejected 
there's no use mr stone he said after some roundabout conversation i'll be railroaded through i didn't kill my aunt but the circumstantial evidence is so desperately strong against me that nobody will believe me innocent they can't prove it because they can't find out how i got in or rather out but as there's nobody else to suspect they'll stick to me how did you get out not being in i didn't get out at all i mean when you were there in the morning winston bannard turned white and bestowed on his interlocutor a glance of utter despair for heaven's sake he exclaimed you've been in bury in less than two days and you've got that have you i have mr bannard and before we go further let me say that i am your friend and that i do not think you are guilty of murder or of theft thank you mr stone and bannard interrupted him to grasp his hand that's the first word of cheer i've had my lawyer is a half-hearted champion because he believes in his soul that i did it have you told him the whole truth i have not i couldn't every bit of it would only drag me deeper into the mire of inexplicable mystery will you tell it all to me gladly if you'll promise to believe me i can't promise that blindly but i'll tell you that i think i shall be able to recognize the truth as you tell it did you write the letter signed william ashton lord no why would i do that to get the pin now hold on before we go further mr stone do satisfy my curiosity is that pin that foolish common little pin of any value i think so mr bannard i can't tell until i see it but man why see it it's just like any common pin i examined it myself and it isn't bent or twisted or different in any way from millions of other pins quite evidently then you've not tried to get possession of it your scorn of it is sincere i'm certain you may be i've no interest in that pin for i know it was only a fool joke of aunt ursula's to tease poor little iris her joking habit was most annoying was it not all of that and then some she was a terror why i simply couldn't keep on living with her she made my life a burden and she did the same by iris what that girl has suffered but the last straw was the worst why for years and years aunt ursula told of the valuable diamond pin she had bequeathed to iris at least we thought she said diamond pin but she said diamond pin i suppose yes i know all about that it was a cruel jest unless as i hope the pin is really of value but never mind that now tell me your story of that fatal sunday here goes then i was out with the boys the night before and i lost a lot of money at bridge i was hard up and i told one of the fellows i'd come up to berrien the next day and touch aunt ursula for a present she often gave me a check if i could catch her in the right mood so next day sunday morning i started on my bicycle and came up here what time did you leave new york long about nine i guess it was a heavenly day and i dawdled some for i wanted to get here after iris had gone to church i wanted to see aunt ursula alone and then if i got the money i wanted to go back to new york and not spend the day here pardon this question are you in love with miss clyde i am mr stone but she doesn't care for me she thinks me a ne'er-do-well and perhaps i am but truly i had turned over a new leaf and if iris would have smiled on me i was going to live right ever after but i knew she wasn't over anxious to see me so i planned to make my call at pelbrook and get away while she was absent at church you reached the house then after miss clyde had gone yes and the servants had all gone 
at least i didn't see any of them i went in at the front door and i found aunt pell in her own sitting-room she was glad to see me she was in a very amiable mood and when i asked her for some money she willingly took out her cheque-book and drew me a cheque for five thousand dollars i was amazed i was amazed for i had expected to have to coax her for it and then then i stayed about half an hour not longer for aunt ursula though kind enough seemed absent-minded or rather wrapped up in her own thoughts and when i said i'd be going she made no demur and i went and what time was this i've thought the thing over mr stone and though i'm not positive i think i reached pellbrook at quarter before eleven and left it about quarter after eleven leaving your aunt perfectly well and quite as usual yes so far as i know save that as i told you she was preoccupied in her manner you had a new york paper yes a herald where did you buy it nowhere i have one left at my door every morning i read it before i left my rooms but i put part of it in my pocket as i usually do in case i want to look at it again you know there was a herald found in the room after the murder of course i do but it was not mine what became of yours i haven't the least idea i never thought of it again quite a coincidence that a herald should have been left there when your aunt took quite another new york paper i'm telling you this thing just as it happened mr stone bannard spoke sternly and with such a straightforward glance that fleming stone said i beg your pardon proceed i went down to new york bannard resumed and i stopped at the red fox inn for lunch at what time about noon or a bit later i don't know those hours exactly for i had no notion i'd be called to account for them and i paid little heed to the time i had the money i wanted aunt ursula had given it to me willingly i could pay off my debts and i meant to live a less haphazard life i was making all sorts of plans to make good and so gain iris clyde's favour and perhaps later her love i've not told her of this for next thing i knew i was suspected of killing my aunt but i'm told that the detectives have inquired and the waiter who served you at the inn says you were on your way toward barion not from it then the waiter lies i was on my way back to new york i lunched at the inn and proceeded on my way i reached town about three or later and when i finally got back to my rooms i found a telegram from iris to come right up here i did so and the rest of my story is public information now the murderer whoever he may have been came to the house long after i left it oh i can't say that for he may have hidden in the house when i was there but anyway he killed aunt ursula about the middle of the afternoon so i supposed my true story would be sufficient alibi but it hasn't proved so and now if they say the inn people declare i was coming north instead of going south as i was then i can only say that the villain who did the deed is trying to make it seem to have been me that's my belief agreed stone the whole affair is a carefully planned and deep-laid scheme and concocted in a clever and diabolically ingenious brain End of chapter 14